Welcome to Mighty Parenting, a podcast with real, raw, and relevant talk about raising teens and parenting young adults. Welcome to Mighty Parenting, a community where we help you raise teens and parent 20-somethings so they can become happy, successful, and emotionally healthy adults. I'm Sandy Fowler, a stress relief coach, speaker, and host of the Mighty Parenting Podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Inward Bound Mindfulness Education, ibme.com, and they have graciously connected us with two of their teachers who work directly with teens. So we have experts who have firsthand knowledge of what our kids are experiencing. As parents, we often wonder why our child does something, why they don't do something, maybe why our teen or our 20-something doesn't come to us when they have questions or a problem or even if they're in trouble. And one common reason for this is shame. And just sit back a second, like think about that. If you feel ashamed, do you just open up to people about that or do you tend to hold it close? Well, today we're unpacking shame. We're bringing it out into the light and finding out how to stop it from hurting our children and hurting us. And helping us with this is IB Meets two instructors, Sara Shapari and Joanna Hardy. Sara is an Iranian American meditation and mindfulness teacher, artist, musician, parent, and lawyer. And Joanna is a cool mom, a dog lover, and a badass meditation teacher. Thank you both, Sarah and Joanna, for joining me for this conversation today. Thank you, Sandy. It's good to be here. (laughs) Thank you, Sandy. So I've had a number of guests who have mentioned shame as a factor weighing on our kids. And yet we've never really delved into this before to understand what's happening and how to, how to help our kids with this, because if shame is impacting them and harming them and impacting their mental and emotional health, that's something that we want to give our kids some help with. So I'm curious, the two of you, you work on um, Inward Bound Mindfulness Education programs. You are at retreats. You are in there with teens. Sara, you were telling me about other events you've been doing with teens. What what do you hear from them when you're working, and, and young adults as well? What are you hearing from them when you are working with them? Well, I, I, I'm really happy to start, and this came up in our in my own household the other day. And I, you know, these ideas around, and I think they're not talked about or allowed enough, is um, around weed, around sex, around how we dress, how we look at race. Like, there's all these ideas that our children have there's ways that they're moving through the world and they think we are thinking something bad about them because of it. And so what, so what I want to say about that is um, my daughter has an idea that I think a certain way about sexuality and in actuality, I don't think that right. But she thinks that I do. So when we start a conversation it's a conversation where there's a pre presupposed judgment or idea that I might have that I don't actually have. So I think what's important for us to talk about as parents, as adults, as educators, as mentors, what, how, whatever we 
whatever we are is to allow them to um, share what they have to say and let them know that we don't actually, we might not have, they actually have more judgment on us than we have on them sometimes. So I just want to, you know, point to the idea of how can we let them know how cool we are. <laughs> you know, like we might not be thinking what they think we're thinking. Um, and shame, a lot of the shame comes from presupposed ideas. Mm, yeah. So I don't know, Sarah, what you think of that, but I've found that happening often. You know, it's, it's interesting to hear you say that. Um, I was guest facilitating a teen self-care gathering yesterday and I did it on the topic of parenting and it was really interesting it was actually really sad and painful to hear um, what these teens are perceiving in terms of judgment particularly judgment around gender identity sexuality and like body image and I spoke with my partner about it later and he said, well, you know, you're getting one side of the story. So it's very interesting, Joanna, to hear, right, that maybe there's the truth of that, that the, these young people are, have a certain filter. But there might also be the reality that some of these judgments or fears that, you know, their parents are carrying are being projected onto them. And it can be very painful and it can reinforce this feeling of unworthiness, not good enough judgment. And so it's this mix of both, right? Like how can, I think for parents, right? Like reframing and presenting themselves as the kind of accessible, cool, open-minded people they are, but also being honest that there might be some baggage that hasn't been addressed that's being put on these young people. Um, and so it's, I think it's a little bit of both. And I like your term there, Sarah, of baggage because even when even when we present ourselves or try to be or sometimes believe we are a very open and accepting parent we may not even realize that some of our baggage is coming through and it may not come through in comments we make directly to or about our child it may come through in comments that we make just in our daily life comments we make about you know a movie or a show we're watching or a book we're reading or, or a passing comment when we're out and about that our kids are listening to and they're taking those things and applying them to themselves. And that can come from our own baggage, which can come from our parents' baggage and these, these generational issues that we have. Yeah, I mean, even how we talk to ourselves, right? They're, they're picking up on that, how we treat ourselves. Thinking about, for instance, this body positivity or body um, relationship to how we look, right? They're they're seeing that, they're hearing that, they're picking it up. They absorb everything. Absolutely, and I know that is definitely a show where, when we talked about it, there is a lot of baggage around that for both, you know, for both parents. Very few people don't have body image baggage of any kind. No, no matter what we, no matter our shape, no matter our identity, there are these stereotypes out in the world that are not natural and normal. 
And so we all carry these around with us mm-hmm. and it is easy. I had not realized until I did that show, well, I've actually done a few of them until after I did those shows, then I started picking up on just all kinds of little comments. Like even going, you just go clothes shopping and you don't have to say something horrible and terrible, but it's just, eh, this makes me look fat or not getting excited about the way that you look. And this carries over to these other issues as well, beyond body positivity to anything about our, our kids, their their performance in sports or academics or artistic endeavors. I think that those things can carry through and our subtle messages can carry through. Right. So that makes me think, are we, when we look at the word shame, is that, I, I, you know, I've been exploring and thinking about it since we, but shame, there's shame, there's bias, there's difference, there's objectivity, there's, you know, all, all these different things that we could say are ways that we view the world or how we view each other. Um, and is shame actually, is it personal? Is it interpersonal? <laughs> is it global? Is it communal? You know, like what is shame and who gets to name it? Um, because, you know, coming back to this body positivity realm, it's like, you know, large bodied, dark bodied, like whatever bodied we think or are used to clarifying as the norm, right? Where, 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 and why are we shaming each other? What is that about? Like, who is it coming from? Is it coming from white privilege? Is it coming from white supremacy? Is it coming from thin bodied supremacy? Is it coming from large bodied supremacy? Is it coming from heteronormative? You know what I mean? Like, where's the shame coming from? So as parents, you know, how expansive can we be? How much space can we give our children to say, you know, I'm not like you. I'm not like my family. I'm not like my, um, my heritage. I'm not like my lineage. I'm not like my, um, and so what does that mean? Like how much space can we give to our children to be completely (laughs) fresh and new and not, um, related to their, where they came from, you know? Anyway, that's just what, that feels powerful and that it's not something that I necessarily grew up with and it would have been beautiful to have grown up with that my parents giving me that kind of space so Sarah I'm curious you know you have a lot of different um yeah you've grown up in multi between you and your husband a multiplicity of spaces and so what do we offer our kids you know yeah, I appreciate I appreciate what you shared, Joanna, and and it's somewhat related to what you shared earlier around these questions of say sex and drugs, and and I was just thinking of yeah, it's like the wanting to give space, but sometimes there's the genuine fear. Sometimes that fear is rooted in reality, like the genuine concern, right? We want our children to survive, we want to protect them, and then when does that protection kind of cross the line into control? 
yeah, and and these expectations and putting these things on our young people, um, and just wondering, you know, reflecting, you know, my I'm only a parent of a eight year old, but um, thinking about where like vulnerability and transparency come in, you know, like because sometimes it's the like, well, because I said so, and really it's like, well, I'm saying this because I'm really afraid for you. And I have these experiences that happen to me and I don't want this to happen to you. And it's not that the dialogue is shut down or it's not that you're a bad person for wanting this, but this is why. But I think it's like, it involves, yeah, vulnerability, transparency, having the time and effort. And that's the thing, parents are also pretty stressed out, right? Like I get it. I've definitely wanted to say, because I said so, you know? Cause it's like, it takes a lot of time to drop in and connect to that heart space of like, oh, like I care about you. I'm confused. I just want you to be safe. And so I think sometimes in those like moments of frustration, it can come out in a way that feels judgmental or reinforces that feeling of unworthiness. That's not what any parent intended. Like you're saying, Joanna, like, you know, we love our kids. We want them to be happy. We, we want them to come to us. Like you were talking to Sandy, you know, and it's like, it's hard to find the space and the pause. I mean, that is where meditation, I mean, we, you know, as meditation teachers, this is part of where our work comes in of taking that time to connect inwardly, to pause, to notice the reactivity, to be honest with what's really happening with ourselves and lean into that discomfort. So let me see if I, <clears throat> let me see if I, if I got this, you're saying that for us, for our kids, cause you also have all ages retreats, right? Your work is primarily for teens and young adults, but there are also all ages retreats now online. So parents can get it as well. And what I hear you saying is that this is one of the things that we gain from using meditation and mindfulness practices is to, to as you said, take that pause. So when we see ourselves becoming reactive, we can choose to be a different way, whether that is that we can calm and have a conversation in that moment, or even just calm enough to say, I notice I'm really triggered right now. And I'd like to talk to you about this. And right now isn't a good moment to do that. And then if our kids are in practice, the idea then is they also have that, that presence and that ability to pause and to be able to hopefully then accept this more readily from us to say that we're saying, hey, I, I need a timeout. I'm, I'm really triggered. I can't do this right now. Or to, to help them come down from any emotion they're experiencing, take that step back and go, okay, what's triggering me? Is that what I'm hearing from you, Sarah? Yeah, that is, that is what I'm, that's one of the things that I think can come from practice, right? Mm -hmm. The sort of interrupting the reactivity I like that. And just, yeah, recognizing what's up and then how can I take care of myself? And hey, I'm reactive. Maybe this is not the time to say this word, you know, say what I'm about to say. And I think a, a part of practice too is just being honest. Like, cause that's the thing too, is sometimes it's like, like I can't count how many times my like partner has been like, you're angry. And I'm like, I'm not angry, but I'm not super angry, you know? <laughs> and so it's just being honest with ourselves. Like if you're, if you're like, if someone's telling you like, whether it's a, a teen to their parent or a parent to the teen, you're upset. I think practice builds, gives you the capacity to like, honestly attend to that and be like, Hey, maybe I am. And I can hold that. And can I be with the, in a non-shaming way, the fact that I'm having an overwhelming emotion, 
right? Because talk about shame, like just even acknowledging that we're having difficult emotions. That's a big thing that like, I think interrupts conversation and interrupts relationship. Um, so I think there's a lot of different, different fruits that can come from practice, but yes, non-reactivity is one of them, less reactivity. Yeah, and if we can step into that, what I saw as the two of you were talking was then taking that moment as the parent who is maybe getting ready to say something or not say something to, to just jump to, because I said so, to be able to take that and say, let's have a conversation. I am afraid for you. I, I don't want you to make the mistakes I made. I don't want you to get hurt the way that I got hurt. And yet you're not me. This is your life. And you have a right to, to be you in the world in your own way and even make your own mistakes and, and have your own experiences, whatever they feel like. But, but having that moment of non-reactivity to be able to step into a conversation about it, I think might be a good step toward that releasing shame and to creating that space, Joanna, that you were talking about to, to just be, let them be who they are without that judgment or to be able to maybe come back and, and shift the, you know, move the conversation into, well, what do you think I think about this? And to, to get some of that honesty and some of that clarity out there so we can break down at least the shame that our kids are feeling from us because there are certainly other sources, right? But I feel like if we, can, if we can move past shame that the family unit is causing, that would be a monumental step from an emotional support standpoint. Right. And maybe it's not a conversation. Like how nauseating is that word? <laughs> like Sometimes I just feel like if I were to say to my kids, I needed to have a conversation, you know, this morning, just this morning, I asked my daughter because she was looking very thin to me. Right. So this is the opposite of the overweight body. So she, I said, honey, will you just get on the scale? Just get on the scale. And she got on the scale and she's like, whoa, <laughs> I didn't know I was this small, right? So she acknowledged it was, it was not a conversation. It didn't have to be a big deal. It was just like, can you just get on the scale for me? And she's like, she understood what that meant, right? So I'm, I'm just going to offer the idea to parents that it doesn't always have to be a conversation, you know, to see each other, to like agree or, or kind of play together um, in a dialogue. Maybe it's just something really simple. Um, and what, what would that look like? Well, that's my question, Joanna. What would that look like? Yeah. What would that look like? It would look like looking me in the eye and feeling me and seeing me and not needing to talk at or to me right? It's not always about the adult knowing better or being talked at or to. Sometimes they have more to share with me than I could ever experience um, on my, in my own knowing, right? So it might not be, I might not know better, better than them. They might actually know better than me. Um, but can we allow ourselves to 
um, look each other in the eye and spend some time and feel the warmth and feel the connection and feel the care and it not need to be a conversation. It's not always so um, conceptual or topical um, in my mind. Yeah. Joanne, what you were sharing made me just think about like, yeah, it's about attunement. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think it's like you're speaking about attunement. And I wonder if the feeling of shame or judgment arises when you're communicating or interacting and there's there's no attunement, you know, so it's like someone doesn't feel seen. Someone's being talked at and there is this sense of like, oh, I don't exist. I'm not valuable. I don't count. And I love this piece of the conversation because at Mighty Parenting and parents who've subscribed to the free email series have learned this and we talk about it on the show and new listeners aren't going to know this. At Mighty Parenting, when we have when we talk about conversation, the very first point is to stop talking and just listen to our kids. That's the very first email. Spoiler. First email says for 24 hours, you get to tell them nothing. (laughs) You just have to listen to what they are saying. And then our conversations as we move forward from that point is about understanding what our kids are thinking and wanting and needing and exploring. And so it is more of just coming from the space of how how did that feel for you? How did that go for you? And Joanna, I loved your idea because it took me out of the box of words. And that's why I asked him, like, what else could this look like? Because it doesn't have to be about words either. And I'd forgotten that that I have one of my girls is a person who doesn't need to be actively speaking or doing something to be connected to somebody. Just be in the same room and doing something, doing our own things at the same time in the same room. We could be reading two different books. We could be doing two different activities. It's just being in the same space. And and that could even be the beginning of some, some shame creation there, just the different ways that we exist and connect and communicate. And I think as parents, remember realizing that our kids may do that differently and then being willing to do it on their terms is also um, a foundation for, well, for connection in, in for growing relationship. And I would hope also reducing, reducing shame that they might feel because it's again, going to this space of you can be different from me. And I am showing you that I'm, I'm good with that. Right. And so it points to like, how vulnerable can we as parents be? You know, because so often shames come, shame comes from the desire or the need for them to be different or fix or, you know, be okay, be perfect. Um, so how vulnerable are we willing to be as parents? Um, how are we shamed? How... 
how do I feel in this moment? Am I okay with you as you are? You know, so, so what is, that's why I'm just re reflecting on the word shame. Like, there's a lot of vulnerability and shame, right? And there's a lot of intimacy and shame. And so can parents like their own kids? Like how, you know, can I like my kid? Do I like my child? And it's so, it's interesting how often parents don't actually like their own kids. They want them to be a certain way so that they can like them, but it's not that they just like them. And I hope that makes sense, but I feel it. I see it. Um, yeah. And the fear, the fear you mentioned the idea earlier of the norms and right. anybody who is different from any norm. And there are so many, so many ways that we can be different from the norm as parents we we do we feel that that fear around them not being quote unquote normal in whatever way that is right right normal oh god i know i've tried to take that word out of my vocabulary actually i've changed it to nature i've changed it to natural like because normal like what is normal yeah it's, that's an intense word. Yeah. And it comes back. It's a reflection on us. Like for so many parents, it's a reflection. If you're not okay, I'm not okay. Right. If you're, if you're not normal, I'm not normal. What did I do wrong? How did I do it wrong? And so it's just like, it's this continual feedback loop that parents take in. It's a feedback, right? And they take it back to themselves. Um, and that doesn't give a lot of space for other people to be who they are. And even when you, what our family, one of our family jokes, our immediate family, my husband and I, and our two girls is we would joke about being weird. And, <laughs> and my one daughter keeps telling me her friends keep telling her she was raised under a rock. And my girls take pride in the fact that they were raised under a rock. You know, they, we just did different things than other people did. We did what we liked to do. So we spent our time, you know, camping and hiking rather than they, they don't see the TV shows that their friends saw or they didn't have some of the experiences they had. They just had different ones. And yet, even in that being abnormal, there's we've really kind of in a way just defined a different normal. And so our child can still not feel okay being themselves if it's not like us. In fact, they could be more like the rest of the the neighborhood that we live in or, or the kids in their school and feel more shame around it because they're like those people, but not like their own immediate family. That's real. I've seen that. I've definitely seen that. Like the lack of acknowledgement that within a family unit, there's norms, right? There's the larger cultural norms, but then there's, and then are you rigidly expecting someone in the family to adhere to those norms versus acknowledging, right? That each life is a unique and an unprecedented incarnation. That's not going to look like anybody else. Like if we could really hold that, um, I don't know, for me, when, when you all were talking about normal, I was like, oh, that's a real root of it, right? There's a normal thing. There's a good thing. There's a right thing. I don't fit into it. There's something wrong with me versus actually the system and the idea is wrong. It's inherently faulty. 
right? But we don't, yeah, we don't hear that. Shame. Yeah. Shame. Shame on you. Yeah, shame Being on you. inherently faulty. <laughs> All right, so let's let's explore some things that we can actively do to create a better space for our kids and to maybe help them and us, right? We have our own shame. We talked about baggage. So how do we release the shame we're feeling? How do we create this space for our kids to be themselves and maybe help them release some of their shame ideally all of their shame right let's just get rid of all of it let's just let it all go release it all i know one practice you know since joanna and i do teach meditation one practice that was profound for me in uh working with my own shame uh were loving kindness meditation practices was profound for me in connecting to my own sense of goodness. It was a real antidote to shame. Before I came to those practices, I couldn't think of a single good thing about myself. Um, and doing that practice intensively, I really did. I was, I mean, that's why I ended up becoming a med, like got into this path. I was like, oh, this is a way, you know, for years people would be like, Sara, love yourself, love yourself. And I was like, I don't know, you know, how do I do that? Do I buy shoes? Is that how you love yourself? And it was actually like, no, you know, there was this way of cultivating the heart where you repeat these phrases of kindness and offering yourself kindness again and again. And it really, I mean, it was, it was magical to me. It was like the first time I was like, oh, I'm actually a good person. I actually deserve love. And that was the beginning of it. And so that's for me one practice, you know, or one way. And then I, the, the other thing that comes to mind that's not necessarily meditation is like being around loving people, like really curating your life. Because sometimes when we have a lot of shame, we actually end up tolerating a lot of toxic behavior from people. And so it's having the courage to weed out those people. Sometimes there's a gap between when the new loving people come in. But I definitely feel like community and who you're surrounded by makes a big difference. Joanna, I'm curious for you what comes up. Yeah, so no, I like what you're saying is forgiveness practice for me was was the practice. So forgiveness had to do with like, what have I done and how can I get around it and past it was a, a huge thing. Yeah, so that like that forgiveness for parents to... I don't know. We have to get a. We have to get around ourselves somehow. You know, like the forgiveness around um, for our parents. If we're looking at our ancestors in any way, like ancestry is a huge part of this practice. The ancestry, like how how our parents learn to parent and how their parents learn to parent, and that points a lot to what Sarah was talking about, you know, like coming from Iranian parents, and then I come from Black and Sicilian parents. So like they parent in a certain way, right? So there's this like forgiveness around ideas of parenting. So the shame piece there. Um, so I spent a lot of time in forgiveness practice for, and forgiveness, mindfulness, what can I let go of? How can I be free? How can I not create the same patterns, right? So mindfulness is all about, mindfulness is all about not creating the same patterns. 
you know, mindfulness points to um, sati. Sati is the word. Sati is the word mindfulness comes from the word sati. Sati means to remember. So how can I remember um, where I am right now? And mindfulness points to, again, and I think people forget this, and this is where I'm going to point to the AAPI community right now. I want to, I want to remember where the mindfulness practice came from, which was India. And it came from um, a core root practice that says we want to remember our history, right? So mindfulness asks us to remember what's happening right now, right in this moment, but it also asks us to remember our history, where we've come from, causes and conditions. So if our children, you know, our children are not um, immune to our where they've come from, from their heritage, right? So, so there is this moment and there is this remembrance of history. Like what is, who are they? And is there pride? There needs to be pride and remembrance. Sati means remembering. So I just want to point that out um, to pay attention to where this practice came from. And it came from the AAPI community. It came from Asia. It came from um, India and Sri Lanka and Thailand and Burma and Nepal. And Japan and China. So just pointing that out, right? So it's so deep, you know, shame is deep. And it's, it has longevity and it has potency. And then like, what can we let go of? And what can we say? I know this is here for a reason. The shame is here for a reason. It doesn't, it's not for nothing, not for not. And, and what can I let go of? How can I stay present? What's happening right now? What do I know right now? So it's both. It's a both and experience. It's not, it's not to get rid of anything. It's just to, it's to know the both. There's a lot of texture and a lot of importance in all of it. Yeah. I love that, Joanna. Thank you for honoring the Indian roots and the Asian roots. And when you were speaking at the end, I was like, oh, it's about loving everything. Yeah. It's not about it's not about feeling shame for shame. We're not, we're not doing that. It's about loving it all and really the, what the power of love does. Right, right. It's messy. Like it's messy. And can we let our kids know that it's okay to be messy? They don't have to be perfect. They don't have to get it right all the time. Like, can they be messy? And sadly, I don't think that all parents know how to do that with their kids, you know? No, we don't. And even when we know intellectually, mm. it doesn't mean that 
we can see how to do it in any given moment or that we have the, the capacity to do it at any particular point in time. And again, for a lot of reasons, and I think one of the strongest driving ones is, well, exhaustion and fear. I was going to say fear, but sorry, you mentioned the exhaustion earlier. And I think that is a huge component of modern day parenting is parents are exhausted and it, it takes time and energy and effort to to allow yourself to be present, to be there, and to allow your child to go through this experience. It seems that if you're allowing them to just take care of something, that it should take less energy, but it, it generally seems to take more. Especially as Joanna was talking about, it's like if we haven't, as parents, dealt with our, what, you know, what our parents did and our ancestors, you know, kind of that history if we haven't dealt with that, that's in the room and that's exhausting, right? Because we're also kind of unconsciously or consciously battling that. Um, and it goes with patterns that you also mentioned, which fit in with that. For me, they fit in with that idea of history because they aren't even just our patterns. They're the patterns we have with our kids, but also with our parents. And they come from patterns they had with their parents. And sometimes those patterns come from the pendulum swinging to the other end. You know, sometimes the, the parent, as a parent, we look at it and say, oh, my parents did this, I'm never gonna do it. And then we swing that pendulum all the way the other direction, which can end up having the same effect on our kids. But most of all, I think, I think this idea of it's okay to be messy it is what it is and we can adopt practices for ourselves that can help us that can help our children and essentially what we want to do is bring it all down to Joanne I believe it was you who said it all comes down to love and so what we want to focus on is perhaps just is this love when we're in the trenches when things are busy or messy or we don't know what to do I think we can at least ask ourselves that question and say, is this love? Am I responding in love? How can I be love to my child in this moment? Yeah, and do people even know what that means? You know, love is such a big word. It's so it's so used, you know, <laughs> like, what is that? And it might just be tender, it might be care, it might be kindness, it might be vulnerability. Like, it might not feel like love is supposed to feel, you know? Yeah. The exciting thing I think, Joanna, is, is if people aren't sure what it is, like they get to find out. That's the thing I always think people need to remember is like, you can cultivate, you can explore anything. So it's right. If you're, if anyone's listening to this and like, oh, I don't have it or oh, whatever. It's like, you, that's great. You're lucky. You get to start, you get to play, you get to learn. Yeah. The world is yours. Absolutely. I appreciate both of you exploring with me here today and unpacking such an enormous topic and helping us find, find a path or a way that we can find our own path through this and to, to help ourselves and help and help our kids. And I want to thank both of you for taking the time to be here and to just so honestly share 
Thank you, Sandy, for inviting us. And thanks to Inward Bound Mindfulness Education for sponsoring the show. Uh, reminder, you've heard Sarah and Joanna talking about some of their experiences with the programs today and other practices that they use. And ibme.com has all of their programs listed online as well as their retreats, including their in-person retreat this summer. So go to ibme.com. Make sure when you're there, sign up for their email so you get notifications of new programs and you can check out the existing programs. And Sarah, Jonah, again, Joanna, again, thank you just for spending time with us today, for helping us understand and see ways that we can move forward with our families in love. Mm. Thank you so much, Sandy. Thank you. Yeah. And Mighty Parents, thank you for being here. Remember to share the podcast with another parent and also visit ibme.com. And thank you for being here today, for taking the time out of your life. Remember, if you are here, if you're listening, you are a mighty parent. You got this. And I will see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>